Chapter Twelve of the Silver Princess in Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Silver Princess in Oz by Ruth Plumly Thompson. Arrival at the Castle of the Red Jinn. The further they traveled into F, the more interesting the country became to Planetty and Thun. Now wild orange and lemon trees added their spicy tang to the salty air. Waving palms edged the sandy roadway, and after traversing a grove of lordly coconut trees, the four suddenly found themselves facing the great, green, rolling Nonestic. A spring, caroled Planety, galloping thun down to the water's edge. Oh, never have I seen so netiful a spring. Not a spring, princess. An ocean, corrected Kabumpo ambling good-naturedly after Thun. This is a salt sea, full of ships, sailors, shells, crabs, islands, fish and fishermen. And will I see all of them? Slipping from Thun's back, Planety waded out a little way, hopping gleefully over the edges of the smaller waves. Sometime, promised Randy, dismounting hastily to keep her from venturing too far. Look over your shoulder, Nettie, he urged, drawing her back towards shore. And then tell me what you think. Explaining this gay, wide and wonderful world to the little princess of another planet, Randy found more fun than anything he had ever done or imagined. Tense with expectation, he and Kabumpo watched as Planety gazed off to the right. Why, tis a high, high hill of red that glitters. Or what? What is it? Planety whirled Thun round so he could see too. It's a castle, Malas. Kabumpo swaggered down the beach, as if he alone were responsible for all its splendor and magnificence. There you see the imperial palace of the Wizard of Ev, built from turret to cellar of finest red glass studded with rubies, and there, this night, we will be suitably entertained by Jinniki himself. The inside's even better than the outside, Randy whispered in Planet's ear as she tapped out this astonishing news to the Thundercold. Come on, come on! It's not more than a mile, and we can go straight along the edge of the seashore. Say, weren't we lucky not to run into Gludwig? Pulling himself up on Kabumpo's back, Randy spoke the words softly. It would have been too bad to have the first person outside of ourselves that Planety met turn out a villain. I believe that sign was a joke. Well, everything seems all right so far, admitted the elegant elephant guardedly. But keep your eyes open, my boy. Keep your eyes open. Is that a welcome committee marching along the beach, or is it an army? They're still too far to tell, answered Randy. Looks to me like old Jinniki's blacks. I can see their baggy red trousers and turbans. Yes, but what is that gleaming in the sunlight? demanded Kabumpo, curling up his trunk uneasily. Only their scimitars, Randy said, standing up to have a better view. Each man is carrying a scimitar over his shoulder, but that's perfectly all right. They're probably parading for our benefit. Hmm, sometimes things are not what they scimitar, sniffed Kabumpo, snapping his eyes suspiciously. But Randy, paying no attention to the elegant elephant's remark, was feeding round in the net bags for Chilliwala's bandbox, and next moment the lively strains of a military marched filled the air. Swinging along in time to the music, Kabumpo peered sharply at the oncoming host for signs of Ali Babel, or Ginger, the slave of the bell, or some of Jinniki's other old and trusted counsellors. 
but in all that great throng there was no one familiar face and because he was beginning to feel more than a bit worried kabumpo lifted his feet higher and higher everything looks black very black he muttered dubiously why not cried randy waving his arms like a bandmaster they're all as black as the ace of spades mind you planety it takes all these black men to take care of the jinnicky and his castle and will they take care of us planety eyed the marchers with positive amazement and alarm so many she murmured in a hushed voice so black i thought everyone down here would be like you and bumpo my no randy told her complacently everyone is liable to be different i believe i'll toss out some of chiliwala's boxes visitors should come bearing presents you know hastily randy began pulling out boxes of candy boxes of cigarettes beads cigars and whole suits of clothing to dazzle jinnicky's subjects but when the leader of the procession came within ten feet of the travellers he threw back his head and emitted such a blood-curling howl randy's hair rose on his head and as the rest of the blacks brandishing scimitars and yelling threats and imprecations came leaping toward them the desperate young king began hurling down boxes as if they were bombs he caught the headman on the chin with the bandbox, but while it stopped the music, it did not stop the gigantic avian from slashing at Thun. As his scimitar fell, Kabumpo gave a trumpet that felled the whole front rank of the enemy. Snatching up the villain in his trunk, he hurled him back among his men. Is this, is this taking care of us? shuddered Planety, clasping her arms round the neck of the plunging Thundercold. No, no, my goodness, no! Is Thun hurt? Quick, Kabumpo! screamed randy as second scimitar slashed down on thong's flank then he managed to breathe again for the razor-sharp weapon glanced harmlessly off the metal coat of planety's coal-black charger the wielder of the scimitar however did not escape so easily for a hot blast from thong's nostrils sent him reeling backward that's it give it to them give it to them shouted randy forgetting in his excitement that thong could not hear and he himself hurled Chiliwala's boxes hard and viciously one after the other. As for Kabumpo, every time he raised his trunk, there was a black man in it, and as fast as they came, he slung them over his shoulder. But it was Planety who really turned the tide of the battle. While Randy, who had exhausted his supply of boxes, was digging desperately in Kabumpo's pockets for some more missiles, he heard a perfect chorus of terrified screeches. Popping up with an umbrella and an alarm clock, he saw the princess of another planet standing erect on the galloping colt's back, calmly and precisely casting her staff at the foe. Each time the staff struck, the victim, in whatever attitude he happened to be, was frozen into a motionless metal figure. After each stroke, the staff returned to Planety's hand. Yeah, yeah, ma master wailed the frantic blacks who were still able to move, and tumbling over one another in their effort to escape, they fled wildly back to the red castle leaving behind sixty of their vanquished brethren you, you you'll be sorry for this shouted the headman tearing off his turban and waving it as he ran so will you bellowed kabumpo fiercely just wait till jinnicky hears about this how dare you treat his visitors in this violent wicked fashion jinnicky jinnicky jeered the headman as planety aimed her staff threateningly at his back Jinnicky is at the bottom of the sea. Hmm, hmm, I knew it, I knew it, groaned the elegant elephant as the headman reached the palace and sitted wildly up the glass steps. I knew something was wrong the moment I saw those scimitars. Jinnicky gone? 
Jinnicky at the bottom of the sea? Why, I just can't believe it!" Randy, glancing over his shoulder at the tumbling Nonestic, looked almost ready to cry. Then putting back his shoulders, he declared fiercely, "Well, I'm not going off and leave this old pirate in Jinnicky's castle, are you? It must be Gludwig's doing. All this! Let's go inside and throw him out of there. We have lots of help now. Thun's a regular flamethrower, and Planety's worth a whole army, and best of all, nothing can hurt them. Why didn't you tell me you had a magic staff? Randy looked admiringly down at the resolute little princess at his side. Why, with that staff we can conquer anybody. Is that what you call magic? Planety regarded her staff with new interest. It certainly is, panted Kabumpo, finding himself with a handy palm leaf. And we're mighty sorry to have gotten you into all this danger and trouble, my dear. Looks as if we had a war on our hands instead of a pleasant vacation. Oh, that, it's nothing, nothing, Planety shrugged her shoulders eloquently. On our planet, we too have the bad beasts and others, and when they try to hit or bite us, we just subdue them with our voral staffs. Hmm, so I see. Kabumpo, still fanning himself, looked thoughtfully at Glutwig's petrified warriors. There must be a goodly bit of statuary on your planet, Milas. Very many, answered Planety soberly, polishing her staff on the end of her cape. With a slight shudder, the elegant elephant turned from the fallen slaves, resolving then and there never to offend this pretty but powerful little metal maiden. Well, have the scoundrels dispersed and gone for good? inquired Thun, sending up his question in a cloud of black smoke. Restively pawing the ground, the thunder colt looked from one to the other, waiting for someone to enlighten him. Tell him they're gone, but for nobody's good, wheezed Kabumpo, who was still out of breath from the violence of the combat. Tell him Glotwick the Glubrious has destroyed the Wizard of F, and that we are now going into the castle to continue the battle. But where shall we start? sighed Randy, staring despondently up at the gay red palace where he and Kabumpo had been so royally entertained on their last visit. We'll start at the bottom of these steps, announced Kabumpo grimly, and mount on up to the top. Then we'll burst into the presence of this wretched wart and fling him out the window. But that won't help Jinnicky if he's at the bottom of the sea, mourned Randy, trying to smile at Planety, who was busily tapping off instructions to Thun. Ha! But don't forget, Jinnicky's a wizard, sniffed Kabumpo, pulling in his belt a few inches. And nobody can keep a good wizard down. Besides, Kabumpo dragged his robe a bit to the left and straightened his headpiece. Once inside that castle, we can use some of the Red Jinn's own magic to help him. Magic? Why, of course, I'd forgotten about that. Randy's face cleared and brightened, and seeing Planety and Thun so eager and unafraid beside him, he girded on his sword and, standing upright on Kabumpo's back, gave the signal to start. As they trod up the hundred red glass steps, they could hear windows and doors slamming, the patter of running feet and the tinkle of the hundred glass chimes in the tower. But step by step, and without a pause, Thun and Kabumpo mounted to the top. Beware, beware, Glutwig the Glorious! Here march Kabumpty and Thun, Slandy and Planety, princes of another planet, Friends, equals, and warriors. The thunder call's flaming message, floating like a basal emblem in the air, alarmed the wicked occupant of Jinnicky's castle even more than the invaders themselves. 
but still confident of his power to vanquish all comers. He waited in evil anticipation for the moment when they would force their way into his presence. Did they imagine because they had frightened the company of foolish slaves they could frighten him? Ha ha! Crouched on the red gin's throne and laughing mirthlessly, Glodwig rubbed his long hands up and down his skinny legs. End of chapter 12